From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The Albanese government is campaigning to host the next United Nations Climate Conference in partnership with Pacific Nations. Some have described this as an Olympic moment, but there is real concern that it's just a public relations exercise, a massive greenwashing of Australia's climate policies. Pacific countries are now demanding Australia do more on climate action before agreeing to be part of the bid. Today, contributor to the Saturday paper, Polly Hemming, on how Australia is peacocking in the Pacific. It's Tuesday, June 20. Polly, last year, when Labor was campaigning for government, one of the things that it said, one of its agenda items, was to host COP, which is the biggest and most important climate conference in the world. If we go back to that time and to that promise, tell me what it was about and and why Labor was making it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. As you say, Labor announced its desire to host this event, United Nations Climate Conference, when it was campaigning for the 2022 election. So we also do see it as a part of our international policy. That's why we're committed to uh, making a bid uh, to uh, host uh, the next COP that's available in uh, three years' time. And that's why I think that this is a policy that will fit as well. I should explain COP stands for Conference of the Parties, and this is an annual conference that's been going for about 30 years where parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC, meet and they negotiate how best to reduce global emissions and also support those countries that are hardest hit or most affected by the impacts of climate change. And it's been going for uh, about 30 years. There have been some really big agreements that have come out of COPs in the past. In 1997, in Kyoto, Japan, the Kyoto Protocol was adopted. We'll recommend the adoption of this protocol to the conference by unanimity. And this was an international global agreement that developing countries would reduce their emissions. And in 2015, at the COP in Paris, the next major international agreement or climate treaty, the Paris Agreement was adopted. It's being hailed as an historic agreement and a turning point for the world. It's the first time so many nations have signed on to a binding agreement on climate change. And Europe corresponds- As the names of those agreements suggest, like Kyoto and Paris, the COP is hosted in different countries each year. And while it's an incredibly important event and really important decisions come out of it, it's turned into, I suppose, a bit of a carnival, you know, in the same way that we see mega sporting events being used by countries as nation branding exercises. The COP has turned into a a way for countries to show how climatey they are. (laughs) And I'm doing that in inverted commas. They're a really great marketing opportunity. It hasn't stopped here. Egypt started taking steps towards environmental awareness domain. Last year we saw Egypt hosting the COP. Making our country worthiest of hosting the most important climate change conference, COP27. And Egypt, of course, is a bit of a low-key petrostate. And that event was sponsored by Coca-Cola. So it was described as the world's biggest plastic polluter sponsoring a climate event being held by the world's biggest polluter. 
from a civilization inspired by nature, we today inspire the future. And this year the COP is being hosted by the United Arab Emirates. So you can kind of see, as the world's third largest fossil fuel exporter, why Australia might be keen to host one of these events. It's increasingly looking like you don't actually have to take that much substantive climate action, but it's a really good opportunity to peacock and showcase what is happening in your country. Right. Okay. So the idea then of of hosting a COP, I mean, it would be a way for Australia to to signal its climate credentials to you know say here we are providing some some leadership on the climate crisis but you're saying that in reality that that would be more about marketing than than actual change and, and I want to unpack that a little bit more but before we kind of go to that it's been a year since those initial intentions uh, were made by the Labor Party so does the Albanese government still intend to to go through with its bid to host a COP? It does. And I should also say right up front that committing to this event or, or signalling that, that Australia was going to host this event, at the time when they made this commitment, it was to partner with Pacific nations in hosting the event. And it was also part of a whole lot of other climate promises that were really designed to show the world and and the Australian community that if Labor was elected, Labor was going to get serious about climate action. So we'd be be back there on the international stage, we'd be reducing our uh, industrial emissions, we'd be becoming a renewable energy superpower. And to go to your question, is Labor still planning on hosting this event? There's nothing to indicate that it's not. Penny Wong has been flying around the Pacific over the last 12 months and I think even in her most recent visit to Tuvalu, she indicated that Australia would be hosting a COP in partnership with Pacific countries. Okay, so it's clear at this point then that the Australian government still has significant interest in fossil fuel projects. Given that, how is the the relationship between the Albanese government and various Pacific nations tracking at the moment? I think the Australian government, Australia has been on its best behaviour for the better part of a year and has said all the right things about renewable energy and critical minerals and hydrogen and and the Pacific. This is a different Australian government and a different Australia. And we will stand shoulder to shoulder with you, our Pacific family, in response to this crisis. We understand that we need to work together like never before for our peoples and for generations to come. That's why but announced- Australia hasn't increased its climate finance to the Pacific. In the latest budget, all the money was for defence and security in the region, you know, law and order in the region, which is really protecting Australia's interests more than anyone else. And again, is to try and deter that threat in inverted commas of of China. They haven't boosted the amount of climate finance that the previous government had committed, yet they still are giving $11 billion every year to fossil fuel subsidies. And recently, the Northern Territory government announced fracking would proceed in the Beetaloo Basin and the federal government has given that its blessing. A new coal mine has been approved. Of course, the Australian government subsidised a kind of fossil fuel export facility in Northern Territory. And I think the actions that contradict the rhetoric that we've heard for the last year are becoming very apparent to Pacific leaders. And I think that is going to undermine what started off as a really promising relationship. And it's also going to affect whether Pacific leaders do ultimately support Australia's bid for the COP. 
you know, while our government has been spending vast amounts of money on submarines and worrying about what China's going to do in the next 40 years, Pacific leaders have been mobilising and have issued what was called the Port Vila Treaty. Six countries publicly issued a resolution to say that they were no longer going to believe the fossil fuel lie and have issued a call for a fossil fuel-free Pacific. So there's a clear disconnect between what Australia says it's doing and how how Australia says the Pacific is feeling and potentially how the Pacific is actually feeling and what the Pacific is going to do in response. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Polly, it seems like there is this open question still about whether Pacific nations will ultimately support Australia's bid to co-host a COP. But what about the rest of the world? Because... In the past, we've been singled out along with countries like Saudi Arabia and Russia for our continued reliance on fossil fuels. And earlier you were suggesting that that might not necessarily be an issue, that petrostates are not cut out of hosting cops. So does our continued reliance on fossil fuels change anything in our bid to, to host? Does it matter at this point? Well, I think it should matter. I think it's really important to remember that the Paris Agreement, which is the whole international framework that is being discussed at the COP, is about keeping global temperature rises as close to 1.5 degrees of warming as possible. And Australia's own domestic climate target isn't actually aligned with a 1.5 degree goal. So we're potentially already in breach of this international treaty. So do we have the right and the credibility to host an event like this, I think, is a fundamental question straight off the bat. So process-wise, what has to happen is Australia doesn't just need the support of the Pacific region or Pacific leaders. It needs to have support from its own little regional UN bloc. So countries like Switzerland and New Zealand, the United States, they all have to agree to support Australia's bid. And many of them have indicated currently that yes, they will, they do support Australia's bid, they haven't nominated officially yet. But I think what's really important to remember is that the Australian government is incredibly good at marketing. You know, that we've had some crack at tourism campaigns. It's even better at greenwashing and it heavily promotes a vision of green hydrogen, critical minerals. What it doesn't mention is that all these things are in addition to fossil fuel expansion They're not instead of fossil fuels. All that stuff will be happening as well. And I'm not sure whether the international community or the countries who've said that they're going to be supporting Australia's bid are actually aware of that or aware of the decades 
in which the Australian government has used these UN climate conferences to water down global agreements and to secure loopholes ultimately to protect our resources industry. Like literally decades, the Kyoto Protocol, we completely gamed. We changed international accounting rules so we could actually increase emissions instead of reducing them. We're still trying to find markets for our fossil fuel exports. The Prime Minister was in India, and yes, he was trying to secure markets, you know, buyers for green hydrogen critical minerals. The media didn't promote the fact that he was out there trying to sell Australia's gas and coal as well. So is there really any incentive to host an event like this in good faith, or is it going to be more incentivised by trying to subvert it? Because if the Australian government raises the climate ambition of Korea, of Japan, of India, then it's essentially talking its biggest buyers of our fossil fuels out of buying them. Yeah, I mean, surely the very idea of of hosting a COP does pose quite a big problem for the Australian government now if they have to walk this line between saying we're taking climate change seriously and then the the reality of some government policies and and you'd think that hosting a COP would would really throw that tension into relief and, and politically speaking might no longer seem like such a good idea. Yeah, I'm to be clear, I'm not for or against the COP. I, I recognise I sound incredibly cynical. You know, whatever works to get Australia to stop producing and exporting fossil fuels, I'm for. And one good thing that has come out of this is that it started a conversation about whether Australia actually deserves to host an event like this. Is it going to be ultimately rewarded for decades of greenwash if it is given this event? It's going to be exposed on the world stage in 2026. If it's not given hosting rights, then I don't think that's a bad thing either because it shows that actually someone, countries, world leaders are taking the COP process seriously and saying it should only be awarded to climate leaders. There are a lot of domestic supporters in Australia who see hosting the COP as a way for Australia to kind of boost its ambition, like the idea that hosting this event is so prestigious and desirable that it's really going to make Australia want to better itself and kind of boost its game. Hey everyone, it's Mark and Alfred from the Pacific and Christy and Ollie here from WWF Australia. Uh, we're here at COP and um, just wanted to touch on a point. Um, so there is a, a kind of a small movement in Australia that is really championing Australia's bid very heavily and it's been described by WWF as Australia's Olympic moment on climate action. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time. It's great to see Australia stepping up as a real climate leader and wonderful to be working really cooperatively with the region. Well, there you have it. We're wishing you all the very best. And again, it's that this is the opportunity for Australia to really show the world its leadership. It's that Olympic metaphor, I think, that probably is most worrying because if you look back at history, the Olympics has consistently been used by countries with very questionable reputations to try and, well, essentially sports wash human rights abuses, you know, political instability, environmental transgressions. So the COP is really a great PR exercise and in a joint media release, Ministers Penny Wong, Chris Bowen and Pat Conroy all said that co-hosting COP31 will help restore Australia's reputation and that to me 
seems to suggest very strongly what they're actually interested in. You know, we've now had 12 months since the last election. There's been more than enough time to at least shift the dial a little bit on Australia's emissions or our intent to keep producing and exporting fossil fuels. We haven't seen any of that, but we're still hearing a lot about Australia's reputation and that's what good marketers do, that's what good communicators do, and Australia excels at that. I think one positive thing to come out of this is that it is starting another really important conversation and added scrutiny domestically and internationally to Australia's climate contradictions between our rhetoric and what we're actually doing, and that can only be a good thing. The more pressure Australia is under, the more chance there is of action. Minister Bowen loves to remind us how little time there is till 2030. The more pressure from all sides, domestically and externally and from the Pacific, can only raise ambition and that can only ultimately achieve action. Mm. Polly, thank you so much for your time. Oh, pleasure. Thanks, Ruby. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, the Senate has passed the legislation to hold a referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament later this year. The vote ends months of parliamentary procedures and now requires the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, to set a referendum date in between two and six months' time. And Australia's largest four banks have downgraded their growth forecasts for the economy for the year ahead. It comes as households pull back on spending in response to interest rate rises. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.